Welcome, guys and gals, to the Man Talk Show. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast brings together some of the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Joining me today is a good friend of mine, Mr. Traver Bohm, who I've actually had on the show uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, he's the author of Today I Rise, How to Overcome the Gut-Wrenching Pain of Your Breakup or Divorce and Reclaim Your Life. Uh, and he actually spent an entire year basically uh, living as if it was his last. He is the founder of One Day Stronger, an international organization helping people rebuild their lives after loss with a focus on health, wellness, and a mission-driven purpose. And he's also an internationally renowned writer, TEDx speaker, an entrepreneur with a diverse background from uh, executive protection, strength and conditioning, and exercise, uh, sorry, extensive meditation. Exercise meditation could be interesting though. Not gonna lie, not gonna lie at all. That could, that could, be, uh, that could be something. Uh, Traver is actually the uh, head coach of the Alliance. So uh, him and I work together in tandem to lead the Alliance. Uh, he works a lot with men and specifically men that have gone through some sort of a divorce or breakup and uh, is just an incredible wealth of knowledge when it comes to health and fitness. Um, but we're not going to talk about any of those things, actually. This is a very different podcast. Um, Traver is a good friend of mine, and basically Traver and I have a discussion, uh, a very open dialogue and discussion about the challenges of modern men and masculinity, some of the downfalls that a lot of men face, how to move through them, how to find more purpose in your life. Uh, we address some of the challenges uh, and some of the conversations around Me Too. Uh, we talk about the Brett Kavanaugh case uh, and, and some, of the, some of the interesting things that have come up in that space. Uh, he shares his perspective and I share mine. And we have a really open dialogue and discourse about the current state of men. And we share some of the, some of the perspectives of how men can actually step more fully into their purpose how they can um, find more joy and happiness, make more money, have better sex. Um, but all of that comes through the lens of the work that we've done with a lot of the, a lot of the guys that, that we've worked with one-on-one -on -one and in group work. So this is a really um, incredible podcast in terms of the sense that um, it's really like this is the conversation that Traver and I would have if the mic wasn't turned on. This is the type of conversation that we would have about the current state of affairs with men and masculinity and Me Too and Brett Kavanaugh that we would have if no one was listening. So this is very unfiltered. And what I do want to say is that there is a lot of um, very real, very honest opinions, but there's also a lot of profanity um, in this podcast. So just a heads up about that. So without any further delay. Oh, and quick, quick reminder. Um, don't forget to leave us a rating and review on iTunes goes a long way. Man it forward. If you enjoy this episode and share it with one person and for all the guys that are out there, don't forget to check out the man talks Alliance, uh, Traver and I run that together. It's an incredible resource. There's an incredible group of men from around North America and around the world that have joined that group, and we would love to have you in there. So without any further delay, please welcome Mr. Traver Bohm. Thank you for having me back on, brother. It's been a little while. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a hot, hot and sexy minute, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lifetime, man. It's Jesus. It's yeah. a lot of time. Yeah, yeah and, and we've been, uh, you know, since I had you on the show last, you and I have been diving in to do some work together on the Alliance, which has been amazing, and uh, oh, your, so no, yeah, so your, your work has been expanding, which is incredible. We're going to touch on that. But 
just for all the listeners who might be new and or maybe just didn't tune into your podcast episode before, why don't we start off with how I normally start off, which is tell us a story about mm. a defining moment in your life that made you who you are today. Well, there's, gosh, there's been a number of defining moments, but the biggie, you know, the one that if I go, okay, what was the, the, the moment? I'll, I'll have to preface it later, but it was the day my wife walked out, my now ex-wife, that I woke up on a Saturday morning, Connor, and spent the morning in bed with her, playing with her and the dog, and um, went and started making breakfast and asked, what are you going to do today? And she said, I'm leaving. I'm moving to LA. I'll be gone in an hour. And I went, oh, nah, what are you really doing today? And she said, I'm getting in the car as soon as I take a shower and I'm out of here. I don't want to be married to you any longer. And the preface of that is, you know, she and I had been pregnant a couple of months before and then lost the pregnancy. And then the postscript to that is very quickly thereafter, my, um, my business partnership with someone else also fell apart or begin to come apart. And so within a very short period of time, everything that I identified with and everything I hung my identity hat on had dropped out from under me mm. where I was planning to be a father. I was married to this woman. I owned this business. And suddenly I woke up and went, holy crap, who the hell am I without these things? which transitioned very shortly into, or very quickly into, who am I as a man? And that was a more powerful question than a more specific question, and one that had more guiding than sort of the existential, who am I as a human, spiritual, soul, body, person, right? Mm -hmm. So it got a lot more specific, specific, and my journey changed drastically when I started asking that question. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of want to pause there and, and talk a little bit about, you know, about grief and loss. And mm -hmm. I see a lot of guys, and I actually work with a lot of guys one-on-one that have this challenge where something dramatic will happen. You know, the, the, sort of the proverbial rug will get pulled out from underneath their feet, and a partner will up and leave or break up mm -hmm. with them or ask for a divorce, and they don't see it coming at all. Uh, mm -hmm. Or, you know, phew, yeah, something like an abortion will, will happen without their consent, without their knowledge, or, mm -hmm. you know, a, a miscarriage will happen. And that's, yeah. you know, that's, it's very challenging for, for women. And it's also very challenging for men. So walk me through a little bit of your, not of your pro, well, I guess a little bit of your process. Like, how did you actually start to deal with that loss? How did you start to deal with facing that complete like blindsiding like how does one actually deal with blindsiding so i'll back up and say that i didn't deal with the miscarriage healthily at all mm -hmm. i dealt with the miscarriage in the way that i think most men do and a lot of men do will say and most men that end up coming to me as well which was i drank it i got high with it and i jerked off the porn to it to numb out. And I did that for about three months where I was like, I felt nothing. And so started to come out of that of like, you know what? I don't really want to live this way. And then literally the night before my ex walked out, I made a, a journal. I wrote in my journal, like I got to turn shit around enough's enough. Um, I need to find my voice. I need to live a different way. And then boom, the next morning it all, it all hit. Yeah. So from yeah. that point, blindsided. Yeah. 
Yeah, be careful what you journal about, you know? Yeah, I was going to say that's like instant manifestation right there. You know? Literally, that was 10 o'clock at night. By 9 a.m., I was getting divorced. So blindsiding a couple things that I would recommend is, one, get yourself around people. So I was on the phone to a therapist as her car was driving out of the driveway. And then I sat there for a little while in shock and listened to the voices that were actually guidance, which were, you got to quit drinking right now. They're like, you do not touch another drop of alcohol. Do not touch another drop of drugs. Get your friends on the phone pretty quickly. And it was like, I went into survival mode and self-survival mode. So therapist, friends, sobriety, men's group, AA, like anything that I joke with people that I was the only guy going to AA uh, to get over a, a separation. And my buddy's like, no, you weren't, trust me. But I needed to be around one people that were like, we don't care what you're going through. We love you. We'll get on a, we'll get on a plane tomorrow. Call me 24 hours a day. Your, our phones are on. Yeah. And I needed professional help. Like I literally had to tell a therapist, like, I don't know what to do. I think I'm going to probably shoot myself. Uh, how do you guide me through this? And surrender the idea that like, oh, I'll just tough through this. I'll just, put, I'll just put my head down in like nine months. This will all be done. I yeah. knew that I was in trouble. And so yeah. to admit that and then call in resources. I was going to say, you know, I think you kind of, I know that we've talked about this before and, and I've put this out there before, but it's sort of like the, you know, I think we just, we just talked about this earlier today, but you, you broke the, you broke the rule, right? The number one rule, right? The rule of man mm -hmm. is very similar to the rule of fight club, right? You don't talk about fight club. That's the first rule. And the right. first rule of men is you don't talk about what it's like to be a man. You don't talk about what it's like to be hurting as a man or be suffering right. as a man or to have shit fall apart as a man. And right. you broke that rule, which is so powerful. Like it, it took me a while to break that rule. You know, like when I was going through, you know, <laughs> several years ago when I was going through that this sort of like dark night of the soul and having an affair and, you know, completely lost in like what my purpose was in this world and what my direction was as a man and how I was acting, like I didn't, it took me breaking, like hitting rock bottom in the back of a car in order to actually break that rule. And it's so interesting to see how many men abide by that rule. It's almost like an unspoken narrative for men. So, yeah. so for you, it was just like, when you say survival instinct, I think it's really interesting because most men, how do you see most men trying to survive when grief or the train wreck or the rock bottom or the divorce happens? Like, how do you see most men? Like, what's their natural instinct? Where do they normally turn to? They button down hatches and they numb. So they yeah. shut out the world and they go, okay, all I have to do is not feel this for two years and I'm golden. I'll drink, smoke, fuck, work, exercise, shop, porn, all of which, you name it. Uh, and the last thing they do is, re it actually, the last thing they do is reach out. Right? And when I reached out to my friends and even said, not only am I in, uh, not only like I'm at rock bottom, I need your guys help. I told them about the couple months before and like, Oh, we had no idea. We were on the phone with you. Like we, we talked about your miscarriage. We talked, we've talked to you 10 times since then. Why didn't you say something? And it was a mix Connor of, I don't even know if I knew it. Mm. I just knew that I was out of control. I was like, yeah, it feels kind of weird that like I come, I smoke a joint in the car driving home from the gym. 
that I teach health and wellness at and crack five beers every night. Like that's weird. That has nothing to do with my miscarriage though. That just must be like this bad habit that I've gotten into. Mm. So there was that, there was like just denial of even of, of putting the two together. And then two, I'm not going to tell these guys that. Like, I'm not going to bother my friends saying like, Hey, I think I'm drinking, smoking too much. Cause I'm devastated at the loss of what I thought was going to be my first child. Mm. So it's twofold. It was even recognizing it. And then I think even if I had recognized it, I was sticking to rule one, right? Like everything's golden. Yeah, I'm good. Like my ex would even ask me like, are you sure you're okay? And I, my standard answer, I'm fucking fine. Stop asking me. Yeah. If I wasn't fine, I wouldn't be in great shape. My business wouldn't be doing well. Forget the caffeine, drugs, alcohol, porn. Forget all that stuff. I mean, that's, that's, that's just normal guy stuff. But like, look at me, 10% body fat. My business made a half million dollars last year. I'm <laughs> fucking fine. Crack puff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I feel like we're, like we're entering into this, into this sort of new new era I, I hate to say that because it actually sounds so ridiculous just having those words come out of my mouth this new era and, and you know it sounds sounds fucking absurd but um you know in in some ways we really are entering into this new space where men are they they've tried that you know like they've tried that yeah. method and and they've seen their fathers do it and they've seen their grandfathers do it and they've seen men around them do it and they've gone to the bars with men that are doing it and it's like man like that shit's not working. Now what? You know, the right. traditional right. coping mechanisms of men aren't working. Now what? So, you know, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I think one of the things that I wanted to talk about here is what are some of the things, some of the challenges that most modern men are facing? You know, like, because I think that there's a lot of them. And I would love mm -hmm. to dig into what are some of the challenges that a lot of guys are facing from what you've seen. You know, I go back over and over and over and over again to an unskillful or a lack of a skill set around managing pain and a lack of a holistic skill set around managing pain. So I see when I look out in the world, an epidemic of unexpressed pain in men, men who are hurt from our childhoods, hurt from junior high, hurt from high school, hurt from divorces, hurt from whatever, hurt from our own lack or our own expectations not being met. So I think that's part one is that there's this massive like throbbing of pain in the male world coupled with we are getting more and more isolated. More and more of our relationships exist on cell phones. They exist through text. They exist through WhatsApp. They keep us distant. And so I think there's, there's that. So there's a couple combinations. Men who are single the availability of sex without intimacy is now through the roof. So men used to have to go, shit, I don't really want to talk about my feelings, but if I don't, I won't get in a relationship with this girl. And if I don't get in a relationship with her, I won't get laid. So I'll at least talk about my feelings, even though it's not for the best, the highest of purposes. Now you can get laid in an afternoon on an app with no barrier to entry. Yeah. So I think it's, 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 it's multifaceted is that men are in pain. Men still haven't woken up to the idea that we're allowed to be in pain because there's this massive overhang above us that says the oppressors aren't allowed to feel oppressed by any part of their situation. 
Mm-hmm. So if we're the ones who categorically and quote unquote are uh, causing all of the world's pain as a group, an individual, like you can't be in pain. You can't tell, I don't, you know, oh, you're upset. I'm sorry. Welcome to your privileged life. So until you, until we fix the entire system, you Connor aren't allowed to be in pain. So take your pain and shove it. Oh, by the way, I need you to be vulnerable and express your pain and be open and cry a lot too. Well, Oh fuck, this is confusing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do see that a lot, you know, like it's, it's interesting, right? Cause in the man talks community, uh, th- this gets brought up a lot, right? This idea of men being called to open up, being called to be vulnerable, being called to express what's actually going on in their life. And what, what we see a lot of is that when guys actually do that, they are ridiculed, they're criticized, they're ostracized. They're like, they're just fucking ripped apart from both sides. Like, I, I can't tell you how many times it's so funny. I'll make a post sometimes and it'll be about masculinity and I'll have, you know, some, like, if you look on the comments, this is a great example. If you look on the comments of my Ted talk, it's fucking astounding, right? Like on what I've looked, a lot of the comments are like, this is amazing. This is what the world needs. Da, 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 da. Thank you so much. Masculinity. Mm-hmm. Like this is exactly blah, blah, blah. And then you have some guys that are like, you're a fucking beta cuck and da 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 exactly. like just such haters and like you can tell that they're so hurt. And then you have the other side that's like social justice warriors that are like, you know, all men are bad and all men are rapists. <laughs> all men shouldn't be talking. And it's just like, oh my goodness, like no wonder so many men are confused and lost mm-hmm. and burnt out and bored. Like they feel like they can't they can't move in any direction. Right. It's kind right. of like, if I move, I'll get shots. So I'll just, right. here. <laughs> I'll not, I'll just not do it. I, like I won't, I'll censor everything that I say and I just yeah. won't, I just won't move. So. Um, and and men know, think, are masters. If we don't think we can win, we won't play. Oh, totally. Men yeah. are masters. Like, Hey, I can't win. I'm out of here. See yeah. ya. I'm just going to check out. Well, and uh, you know, one of the things that I always say to, to, to all, all women that are, you know, they're, they're in heterosexual relationships is that, Men want to win at relationships. They fundamentally want to win. They just maybe haven't been taught how to do them right. You know, maybe right. the role models that they've had for them have been horrible or abandoners or abusive, and, but they 100%. want to win. Like yeah. I've never met a man that doesn't want to win in a relationship. And mm-hmm. when he starts to feel like he's not winning, that's when he starts to feel like that, that he checks out. Right. Mm-hmm. So what have you kind of observed? Cause I've noticed a huge shift you know, as the feminist movement became more and more prominent, as the mm-hmm. Me Too movement came out and time's up, I've noticed a big shift in the mentality of men and the conversations of men. What, what, mm-hmm. what, from your perspective, have been the impact and some of the shifts that have happened because of some of these movements? And, and what's your sort of like general take on them? I think we'll probably dive in a little bit deeper, but what's your general sure. take? My general take on it is that it is a long overdue bleeding out and upward rising of feminine pain, angst, and frustration. And that it's over necessary for women, and we're just going to categorize feminine as women here, for the feminine to express like, hey, this is what's really been going on. Hey, this is, yeah, me, the, the neighbor, the girl you sit next to in class. I have been, I've had to deal with shit that you have no idea about and you need to know about it. So I think first and foremost, it is, a, a, again, like a pot that was boiling. The top got taken off that pot and so much is erupting out. And it was super necessary to open up some conversation. 
the challenge I see with it is let's even go to the positive, which has started conversations like this and you men going, wow, shit. Uh, maybe it is, even though the actions I think may be innocent because of power dynamic, size dynamic, whatever it may be, I have to now be aware that I can be putting a woman in an extraordinarily uncomfortable situation without even realizing it because I haven't lived in her shoes for my entire life. I don't have friends that have been raped. I, all of my friends haven't been raped, which is the case with a lot of women. They're sexually assaulted or something. So let me be a little more uh, aware and conscious of how I work and act in the world. Amazing. Love that shit. And there's always a flip side to the coin, which is a lot of guys going, cool, this is just a bitch session and women are just complaining and they're all just pulling the victim card. And by the way, I'm terrified of them now. So I just will check out and I won't talk to any woman at work. You know, what stupid bitch is going to get mad at me for opening the door or she looks pretty or yada yada. So as everything rises, I think the conversation rises, which is positive. And you're going to have guys that one are embarrassed or feel ashamed of their past or are embarrassed or feel ashamed of their current behavior or simply refuse to learn a different paradigm, even of communing with the feminine, right? Like we guys oftentimes create intimacy by making fun of each other. Like you get, it's a lower brow way of doing it. But like you walk in the room, like nice shoes, pussy. It's like, oh, cool. Now I know we're friends. Like, awesome. You made fun of me. Especially guys. I'm like, if you're from the East coast, it's like, oh, you ripped on my shirt. You like me. Cool. And then you realize, oh, wow, there's a different way to create intimacy. And so I think for a lot of men, their entry point or what they think is the entry point to women is maybe a sexualized comment. And they'd have to learn a new way. You can't say, hey, you got a great ass. Like, okay, guess what? That's not that awesome. Maybe you're going to have to go, shit, I screwed up there. Let me try a different way of, of communing. I mean, these topics, Connor, you know, they're, they're fucking massive. Yeah, we can look at you from a hundred different angles and find 50 positive, 50 negative, right? We do have the examples of people post. I've seen a post about a woman who, um, she talked about her high school boyfriend driving her somewhere, trying to make out with her. She said, no, he drove her home. And she was like, I'm not sure if I should have reported that. I was like, well, I don't you know, call me a misogynist alt-right prick, but I don't think he did anything wrong, right? You said he, he made it, he made an attempt. You said, no, he honored it and took you home. Yeah. And there's some, yes, there's always going to be a little bit of overblowing, but what I'd say is the general theme is that good. Let's get this conversation going. Good. Know that that girl who you just hit on in the bar, who's really triggered and, and hiding she may have been raped multiple times. She may have been assaulted that morning. She may have had 50 incidents of her life that you have no idea and you never will because that's not our existence. I've never been sexually assaulted. Yeah. And I don't really worry about it, right? I don't walk to my car with my keys in my hand. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? Because I think like you're saying, it's getting the conversation started. It's, it's revealing things. You know, it, it, in a lot of ways, it's like a mass level shadow work you know it's like it's like 
humanity's shadow work is coming forward in, in some ways, because these are all things that have been in the shadows. These are all things that have been behind the scenes and haven't been talked about and haven't been addressed for a long time. And, you know, it's interesting. I had um, Dr. Warren Farrell on the show a while ago who wrote The Boy Crisis and, mm-hmm. and actually was a huge part. I didn't know this, but he was a huge part of the feminist movement in the very beginning. And mm-hmm. he said, you know, in the very beginning, it had very righteous intentions around empowering women and giving them a voice and giving them an, an equal space. And then he said right. part of it eventually started to evolve in this in this sort of like man-hating way. And he mm. said, when I started to point that out, as soon as I pointed it out, I was pushed out. And mm. and it was it was so interesting to see. And and that's not to say that, you know, it's it's I think it's a challenge with any movement. And so you can find the just like in any space, you can find the good eggs and the bad eggs, right? Like you're gonna find yeah, the yeah. that that align with your story. But I think that the biggest part is that there are things that, you know, are starting to come forward. A perfect example of this was the, the other day I was talking to my sister, this only happened a few months ago. And she was, she was pretty upset. And I said, Hey, like, what's, what's going on? Like, why are you so upset? As we were on FaceTime and uh, she told me a story about how she was walking her dog past the church and there was guys working construction on the church. And one of the guys, you know, started yelling out to her and he's like, Hey, beautiful. Da, 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 da. And, and she didn't really give him the time of day. She has a boyfriend, you know, she's in a great relationship and he kept going, he kept going, and she ignored him. And she was, and he was like, "You should fucking smile." And da da da. da. And she yeah. ignored him. And she's almost at an earshot. And and he turns to one of the guys, one of the guys that's working with him. He says, "I bet you I could fuck a smile back onto her face." And so she's she's telling me this, right? And I'm like, "Man, oh man, like what the hell? Like what kind right. of behavior is that?" And so you know, I think in the past she probably wouldn't have told me this. Like she probably right. wouldn't have shared that story. She would have just kept that to herself and the problem is that there's so many circumstances of that kind of shit happening so in this in this whole conversation i know this is a big one and we could go on and on and we should probably do like a whole episode about this yeah but one of the biggest questions that i get from men is what do we do you know like you said men are action oriented we want a purpose we want to function and one of the biggest conversations that i've seen started from guys is like what do we actually do what do we need to know and so I think I want to dive in this a little bit with you. Sure. Where, where do men start? You know, like, where do we actually, where do the guys listening to this actually start? You know, I'm a big fan, Connor, of what can I do personally? And, and telling men, like, ask that question. Because I know a lot of the call in society and the call from bigger movements is men need to be out there changing and challenging the, quote, patriarchy. So I even had someone make a comment on a a post I wrote an hour ago saying, your job is to go change the world that you live in, not just yourself. And I said, okay, I'm in the movement. I'm in the men's space. You're right. That is my job. And that's what I've chosen to do. But the plumber who's going to come fix my toilet in two hours, he may really just want to be a plumber. And so he may not want to go start a men's movement or write a book or start a podcast. And so and I think that's most men, just like most people have their individual hopes, dreams, and goals. And so what I tell guys is first do a really brutal analysis of what is your behavior? What has it been in the past? It's your choice whether you need to reach out and apologize to someone or not. But even if we did since that's intimidating as fuck to a lot of guys, let's just say first do no harm. 
right, let's go back to medicine. First, do no harm. Okay, how do you interact with the women of your life? How do you interact with the men of your life? Like in anybody on that construction site, the very first time that guy said, hey, beautiful to your sister, go, okay, that was all right, perhaps. But guess what? You don't get to say anything else, right? And if you really wanted to, go be a fucking man. Go approach her. Walk up and say, hi, I'm John. I think you're really pretty. Maybe we could get coffee sometime. Take the actual risk. If you're not willing to do that, shut your fucking mouth. Because right now you're just harassing a woman. And you're doing it on a team of five to six guys around you. So that's where I think men need to not become police, right? It's not like I need to tear down all the other guys around me. But like I don't put up with people making uh, racist comments around me. I'm like, hey, cool. You want to be racist? We're not friends. Or guess what? Like, don't fucking speak that way around me if you are going to be around me. And so I don't say that. And I catch myself. And as society has changed and I've gotten older, I don't make gay jokes. I've even stopped, you know, I used to put in sometimes uh, writing about it. And I stopped doing it in my writing as I became more aware. I was like, you know what? That's not funny. Maybe I can think of a different way to elicit humor in people. So first and foremost, man, I go do an analysis of your own behavior. And if you make a mistake, call yourself out on it. Catch yourself, right? Catch yourself, literally, like ask before you write a comment on social media, is this really what I want to say? Before you make a comment to a woman, is this really what I want to say? And that's like, for a lot of guys, that's a great lifetime of work. Rather than go write a book, go start a men's movement, go police everybody in your building, start with you. And if we all did that, then the movements would create themselves or the movements wouldn't really be necessary. Mm. So I'm a big fan of, of starting here. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so powerful. Right. And I love the sentiment of like, you don't need to start a men's movement, right? Like you don't need to, you don't need to, to, to step into that space in order to make a difference. And I feel like that's what a lot of guys, I think, I, you know, from what I've heard, I hear a lot of guys being like, Oh man, I feel like I have to be like a police, you know, I have to like police so that the guys that are around me, it's like, it's like, nah, it's not about, it's not about policing. It's just about how do you want to feel, you know, when you're in those situations, how, yeah. how are you going to, how do you want to interact with, with other men? How do you want to interact with other women? And, and what, what are you like morally holding yourself to, you know? Right. And, and, and what virtues, what values do you actually, do you actually hold within yourself and how are you portraying right. those in the world? Because I think, you know, in, in a lot of ways, that's, that's in line with just being inauthentic, right? We see a lot right. of people that are unhappy because how they behave out in the world isn't in alignment with who they actually want to be. And, and it, is, it is the biggest challenge, right? To step into that space of discipline. So, you know, in this, in this conversation, I love this concept of, of starting with yourself and being able to sort of, I call it the honest audit, right? Like sitting down and yeah. doing like an honest audit with yourself and where you're at. Out of that space, out of that space, uh, and, and in this conversation, where do you see, where do you see like women fitting the conversation? Because I've, I've seen a lot of, you know, I've seen a lot of women like approach this in so many different ways. And I have a lot of women asking like, how do I, you know, bring my brother into the conversation? How do I bring my boyfriend or my husband into the conversation? I have a lot of women reaching out and asking that. And, and I know this isn't necessarily our place to be telling or giving advice or soliciting or anything like that. But from, 
a guy that does men's work like mm-hmm. myself, what have you seen to be more inviting for men to enter into this type of work than, well, let's just start with what doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> what shuts men down immediately? Cause I like, I can think of a couple of things, right? Yeah. 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 You know, I give this the, like, and I tell them this when I, I get the same question over and over and over. And I say, here's the shittiest answer I'm going to give you. Most likely you can't do anything as to the woman. Most likely they need to hear from another man. And so, and I'm, this isn't an advertisement, but I say, introduce them to a man's work who you respect, be that mine, be that yours, be that Mike Campbell's, be that Mark Groves, be, be it some guy. And, and for whatever reason, we can, I don't know why we listen to other dudes. And so that's my number one thing of, Hey, I found this article. I think you may like it. Period. Not, hey, I found this article. It's going to help you not be such a fucking dick around the dinner table like you were last night. Or three, like, okay, I'm done. I'm out. I'm going to go hit Family Guy and, and tune out. Yeah. So, really, just finding work, bodies of work, and go, oh, I can resonate with this dude. Yeah. He, he's, dude, he, wait a minute. He's, he's, got, a, he's got a fiance. He, he's, he's in good shape. He's, huh, this is weird. He's, and he's talking about stuff that seems to resonate with me, but he's also a guy. Uh, so I'd say that's, that's the number one. Like we don't listen to criticism. Well, nobody does. No human does. <laughs> no, no human does. No human does. But like, I'll like, whoop, turn my brain off. And, and this is going to be, people will be upset by this, but when it's couched to me or to a lot of men I talk to in like a social justice framework of like, by the way, this is your fault. So yeah. now you do something about it. It's like, but I didn't give anybody star roles and movies because they blew me. So I don't really know why you're giving me this article on, on what's his name on, on uh, Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. It's like, I want to be considered as an individual and I'll do my individual work. Yes. I realize that there are men doing horrible shit all over the planet. And guess what? There are humans doing horrible shit all over the planet. And I want to control what I can control, which is my behavior and the people in my, my little tribe, and then we'll go outward from there. So yeah. that's my long-winded answer to send them to one of us. Yeah. No, I, you know, I think it's so true. And I think part of, the, part of the problem and something that you know, I've brought forward in the Alliance is like most, most men, a lot of guys, haven't had a good initiation into manhood. You know? and, and their relationships with other men are, are very similar to the relationship that they have with themselves right? There's no accountability. There's not really a, a deep sense of challenge, right? They might be in competition with that man in some way, but there, there's right. certainly, there's certainly no opening for them to challenge one another. And, yeah. and, and guys really need to be challenged by other men. You know, they need to be challenged by them. We, we thrive off of that shit. Yeah. And there is something fundamentally different about being challenged by, uh, you know, being challenged by a man than being challenged by your wife or your partner or your sister or your mom or whatever. It's not that that mm-hmm. isn't effective because it can be very effective and mm-hmm. there's something different about it, you know, and, and the more that guys can challenge one another and call each other forward, as we talk about in the mm-hmm. Alliance, right? Like how do you mm-hmm. actually call a man forward into the type of man he, we know and he knows he's capable of being that yeah. that's like the really powerful space. So I, I love that. I love that. Let's circle back around. Cause I think, you know, outside of um, initiation, um, I yeah. think one of the things that you touched on before that a lot of men are struggling with is, is meaning, 
and purpose yeah. in their life yeah. and fulfillment. And mm -hmm. I think that a lot of this numbing out, a lot of this dumbing down and, and just sort of like checking out from life comes from a lack of direction and a lack of purpose. Mm -hmm. So can you speak a little bit to that in, in terms of what happens when men lose purpose? Like what are sort of like the, the symptoms, I guess you could say? Sure, sure, sure. You know, Connor, I always joke with guys and say, we can take the 95% the of all men problems, break down to the fact that we don't have to kill our own food and nothing's trying to kill us. And if that were the case, all of a sudden life gets real easy, real clear. Uh, I did a 28-day survival course in the woods, and at no point was I bored. At no point was I like, gosh, I don't know what I'm, it was like, nope, build the fire, make the shelter, find food, find food, find food, find food, find food. It was like, no point, it was like, God, I really wanna get high. Um, I wish I had a cold beer and a, a warm couch right now. So <laughs> we, you and I are German shepherds, man. That's what I tell guys. Like we get, we need a bone. You give yeah. me a bone. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. No bone. Start chewing on the couch. Start chewing on the leg of the table. Start drinking. Start smoking pot. Start jerking off the porn all day. Start over exercising, overworking, right? Guys have lost when guys lose their purpose. They supplant it with something else where they say, my purpose is to be a New York Giants fan. So let me just go and, and make that my purpose. And the health, the, the lack of health around that, that's too bad. The lack of intimacy around that, that's too bad. And so much of it is men have their, they know their purpose, but they're shit scared to go after it because they're afraid of failure or they're afraid of success or they're afraid of what happens if I get it and I don't like it. Right? I've had a lot of guys like, I, I, how many careers have you and I had? Oh, shit, I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm here. I'm not happy. Oh, well, shit, you got to come to the party before you can leave it. So I think the symptoms, you know, sex, drugs, anything that makes us feel okay in the moment so that we don't feel that little bit of pain, anxiety, or whatever it is that we're off point start to rise in us. That's mm -hmm. massive. Yeah, I love it, man. I think one of the things you're, you're touching on and like really nailing home is that purpose is so much more than just what you do. And I feel like we have, you know, post-industrial, right? Because we went through this mm -hmm. industrial age where guys were sold on the idea that you, you are what you do and you're successful if what you do is successful. And, mm -hmm. and we sort of created these like nuclear families and et cetera, et cetera. And so a lot of guys have looked for meaning, value, and, and purpose solely in what they do. And right. what I've seen is that that puts so much fucking pressure on, on their career, right? Or right. if they don't give a crap about that, they'll, they'll make their relationship their purpose. And I see this <laughs> in a lot of guys as well, where it's just like, Worse. as long as my relationship is good, everything else in the world is good. And usually they're not, they're not pursuing their, their, uh, their passions as much as they should. They're not pursuing their career as much as they should their relationship is strained because now their partner feels like, Oh my God, like I'm everything to this man. And if, and if I'm, and if I'm not perfect as his partner, then, you know, then yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like suffocating. Right. I've heard so many women talk about that. So, yeah. so let's, let's talk about this. Cause I think, you know, one of the things that we talk about in the Alliance is like the different dimensions of purpose, like the different parts sure. of purpose. So for sure. you, what, what are the different parts of purpose that men should ideally, I don't want to say should, but they, they ideally could have in their life that will leave them feeling rewarded. 
Definitely. We can't discount career, right? Career is huge. And so it's the question I ask guys is, do you love what you do? If you don't, is it serving a bigger purpose, right? Do you, is it paying for your kids who have special needs? Is it putting a roof over your head? And if so, good. Now, what else do you love? What else do you love to do? One of the questions I love to throw at my guys is, what would you do if tomorrow you got fired and you had a six-month severance check so that you didn't go, well, I, I got to go get food, so I'm going to go get another job? What would you do? What would you do with your time? What would you do with your energy? And how would you express yourself that way? Mm. Where and how are you leading? Right? Lead, where, how does leadership play a role in your life? That in itself for most guys is a scary purpose of, oh shit, I got to figure out where this family's going. Mm. I got to figure out what are we doing? Where are our finances going? How are we eating? How are the kids? Is my partner happy? Am I leading her? What's our sex life like? Where, am I, where are these, these avenues that I can fully dive into and just explore the shit out of because we don't have a lot of time here? Yeah. And it goes like that. And so when I hear people that are bored, I'm like, you're bored? <laughs> Holy crap. Tell me every area of life and where, what you want to learn about it and where you're growing it. Really? You're playing guitar? Awesome. You, you don't play, get, get a guitar. Really? You want to learn, go take Spanish lessons. Are you cooking gourmet meals for, gourmet meals for your family? Take cooking lessons. Go, go read a YouTube, right? Is your wife having multiple screaming orgasms? If not, go buy a book. Are you? Go buy a book. Like, get yourself into some shit, man. Yeah. And own the fact that if you're not, a lot of times it's because you're so out of integrity in every area of your life that you're exhausted because it's expensive to want to do something and not do it. Yeah. It's expensive to want to live a certain way and not be putting in the effort. Like you and I know that if you, when you go to the gym, it sounds so stupid. I come out with more energy. When I consistently go to the gym, I feel really great about myself. That gives me energy to handle my finances. But wait, going to the gym is tiring. How could that give you? Ah, oh, because it's in line with my integrity. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I found that one of the most, you know, from, pers from personal experience, I'm just going to speak for myself, but one of the most draining and purpose-killing things that we can do is avoidance, is oh. the act of avoidance. You know, it's like, and, and we know that this is true, right? Like, we know that this is fundamentally, it's like a law of the fucking universe where it's like, look, if you avoid shit, A, it's not going to go away. B, it's going to drain the crap out of you. And, and C, it's probably going to be a bigger train wreck down the road if you don't deal with it, right? But, you know, I think, I think as, as <laughs> I, know, I know you're laughing. And yet we all do it. Like, right. you and I even do it, right? It's like, oh, it's just, this is all so much truth you're spitting right now. <laughs> yeah, all, all the time, right? And so this, this idea that, that, you know, avoidance, and it's like, it's, it goes back to like that, that first rule of being a man, the first rule of a fight club, right? Like you don't talk about it. And so the, the things that, that aren't working or that we're upset about, or that, you know, we're not happy with, we just end up sweeping under the rug in some way, shape or form. And, mm -hmm. and that avoidance is like a leech on our energy force in life. And I see so many men that are bored simply because they're avoiding the things that they know they need to do mm -hmm. simply because they're avoiding the conversations with their partner, the action right. that they need to take for their career. And it is absolutely debilitating and draining. So let's talk about taking action. 
because I feel sure. like this, I feel like this is something that that uh, a lot of people could could use. And you know, this this one time, uh, this is like a couple of years ago, but somebody was like, "How have you done what you've done?" I was like, "I don't. I just took I just took stupid amounts of action." And yeah. we learned what worked and what didn't, you know, and I figured out yeah. the right kind of action and the wrong kind of action. So from your perspective, when guys are avoiding, just people in general, men, women are yeah. avoiding, where do they start? Because it seems to build up this immense amount of force. Where do they start to take action? How do they do that? You know, if we go super uber simplistic, uh, I'll speak personally. Every time I sit down to write, I start a 30 minute timer. Mm. And I know it's like being trained as an athlete. I will tell myself three, two, one, go. And I'll hit start on the timer and I'll start typing. And about eight minutes in, I'll want to get up and go outside and do something else. And I'll look at the timer and be like, shit, 22 minutes left. And boom. And then I give myself a five minute break. And then again, and then you know what happens, Connor? I write for four hours. And so it's almost this cliche of, how do you start doing anything? You start doing something. Mm. You just begin to get action. Uh, one of my favorite teachers, Michaela Bohm, has this awful idea that she goes, you want to know why you don't go to the gym? Start going to the gym. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. It's like, you'll, you'll come <laughs> yep. She's also the woman who, who spoke of this huge spiritual understanding of writing and and, and yada, yada, talking about ritual and et cetera, and said, you know, I sat down to write my book in my writing hall, in my sacred cave at the appointed time, and I, I proceeded to watch all five seasons of Game of Thrones. <laughs> right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And then wrote my book. So action, you know, I think it comes from one or two things. It's one, the story you're telling yourself. Is the pain you think is waiting for you at the action bigger than the pain of taking no action. So talk about that. Is it how many times have been like, man, that was 30 minutes of hard work. And I got rid of months of anxiety. Mm. And two, how do you, this is something super important. How do you bring in corner men, teammates, guys, right? How many times have you, you sent a message? Like if I don't get this done by the end of the week, I owe you a thousand dollars or whatever it is. Yep. Right. Like having a team of guys like, Every Friday, I meet with a team of guys, and if I don't do my shit, they're like, hey, we don't really care what the excuse is. We sure we want to hear your story, but unless it was a car accident, a death in the family, or something else, you better get that shit done. Mm. And so it's accountability. Like most men are on their own. You said it. No, we, we graduate from high school, and suddenly no one's telling us what to do. We get off teams, and suddenly we don't have a coach. Right. And we're out here floating in space and we tell our partners, Hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start going to the gym. And then three weeks later, like, man, it's, it's hard. It's cold. Yeah. I don't want to get up early. And then that betrays all trust with that partner or yeah. puts it on her. She's like, Hey, I thought you said you were going to go to the gym. Oh, thanks for being a nag. Let's fight for two weeks. Cause I don't want to actually admit that I said something and now I've broken my trust. Where if it's a dude or I'm like, Hey dude, why haven't you gone to the gym? It's like, Fuck, I'll go right now. Yeah. Right. There's, well, there's and that's, male accountability. And I, so it's, yeah, the male accountability is so important. But I love that you're bringing up like personal betrayal, you know, is that that's, mm -hmm. that's such a deep, <clears throat> that's such a deep wound for a lot of guys is that they've, they, maybe they've been betrayed by other men. And so they, mm -hmm. they like have seen that by example, 
or they have betrayed themselves in such a way that they don't trust themselves anymore. You know, right. I, I think about guys that have, you know, been unfaithful or lost a job or, you know, the, the, the list can go on and on and on, mm -hmm. but they don't trust themselves. They actually don't trust themselves to take action. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, I think you can sit there and, and mull over forever and ever and find all the reasons why you don't trust yourself. And that's part of the process. You can do that. But at mm -hmm. some point, you have to rebuild that self-trust with yourself by simply just taking small, repetitive actions, right? right. In, in one specific area. Like for me, for me, I literally, this is like way back in the day, I bought the artist's way. Mm -hmm. And I sat down and I, and I committed to 45 days of writing three pages every single day. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. first couple of days, it was just like, fuck, I fucking hate this. And this is so dumb. And this isn't doing anything. And da, 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 da. But it literally created this sense of self-trust because, yeah. be, because I was like rebuilding that muscle. So I think what, you know, what you're saying is rebuild that personal accountability, right? Yeah. Rebuild that personal trust and, and commit to something that you just do every single day. Find other accountability from other guys. And right. what was the other one? I, I, kind of, I, I, think, I, missed, I think I'm missing one. You know, confront the pain of doing versus not doing. Like admit, admit that like, I don't like myself right now because I've said for two years, I'm going to quit smoking pot and I haven't. And I'm in a lot of pain or look at the pain that's underneath it. You know what this is about? It's not about me smoking pot. It's about the fact that I really can't tell my wife that it hurts me when she call, when she says this thing to me, or it hurts me that we now sleep in separate rooms. And I don't want to bring that up. So I'll just smoke my pot. And then every Monday I'd be like, oh, quit smoking. And then I betray myself. And now it's this, this huge cycle. Yeah. One of, one of the things I love to, to tell clients, I have an exercise called follow, follow it to the bottom. And mm -hmm. it's literally an exercise about following your behaviors to rock bottom. What's it going to look like? And get really, really fucking real about it. Mm -hmm. Like, If you continue smoking the weed every single day and avoiding applying for the new job and avoiding, uh, you know, dealing with the divorce and avoiding your kids and avoiding the finances, mm -hmm. what's going to happen? What's, what is rock bottom really going to look like? Because you know it and we all know it and we all know what's coming if we don't create some change. And to get right. in touch with that before rock bottom actually happens is sometimes like the motivation that we need to like really create that picture of like, what's it going to be like when my wife leaves me and takes full custody of our kids yeah. and I'm financially wrecked and you know, yeah. I get fired and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, for the listeners at home, try the follow it to the bottom exercise and uh, let yeah. us know how, it, let us know how it goes because it's a confronting one. Yeah, man. I thought about doing, maybe we can pull this off in New York, do like a scared straight where we get like 10 guys in a room who are divorced and be like, tell me what it's like to go from living in a 5,000 square foot house with your kids to living in a studio. Tell me what it's like to see your kids three times a year for a week and have them really not want to be there. Tell so-and-so what it's like to pay five grand a month in child, paint, child support and alimony while you have a one bedroom apartment. Talk about it. Like this is what's coming guys. Yeah. Talk what's it like to have half your 401k disappear because you simply wouldn't stop smoking dope because you simply wouldn't invest back into your relationship, right? It's not, it's, if it's big stuff, like shit happens to people, it does. But we as men can go, how can I mitigate against this? How, how can I actually just put effort into it and go, okay, I would rather deal with the pain. 
Like I'll check my finances in the morning and I'll check them at night. I'll weigh my ass in the morning and I'll weigh myself at night. I'll go 30 days of going to a gym because I'll hire a trainer. You know, I, I tell a story of when my, um, my old ro- uh, neighbor in, in California came and said, hey, will you hold my cigarettes? I want to quit smoking. And I was like, sure. But like, how deep into this are you? Like, what are you? I was like, well, you know, I really want to quit. I was like, okay, I'll hold them if, if you do this. You go on Facebook right now and tell every single person in your life that you're quitting smoking. If you'll write me a $1,000 check that I get to deposit in some charity that is not to your liking if you quit. Like, how much skin do you have in the fucking game? Because if you don't, don't play. And, yeah. and guys can do this. We can actually do this. This is the power of other men, Connor. This is why we need groups of guys together to go, I will not let him down. Yeah. Maybe I'll, if, I'm, if I'm not sure I'll betray myself, I know I won't betray that guy or the group. Yeah, and so, it, you know, I think you're, you're bringing up such a good point, right? Because I think this is the challenge that, that some men have with things like therapy, right? Like they go to traditional therapists and it's talk therapy. And what I've noticed is a lot of guys need more than talk therapy. Like they need some real, real challenge. Like they need to really be pushed yeah. emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. And, you know, which, which actually, which brings me to my next point. Um, what mm-hmm. I, wanted, I wanted to talk with you about is this, this idea of, of the primal masculine and divine masculine. And this, this is something mm-hmm. that, that, you know, we've talked about, that you talk about. And I, and I feel like there's a lot of guys that maybe aren't living in either of these spaces. You know, they're, they're challenged mm-hmm. in finding either of these mm-hmm. spaces. So can, we, can you just give us, a, give the listeners a little bit of a, a background on what the primal and divine masculine actually is? Sure. So this is my view of it, of primality. Like what's in our DNA? What does testosterone make us want to do? This goes back to the point earlier of if we had to kill our own food and actually protect our own homes, we would understand exactly what primal skills are, primal energy is, and a primal feeling of I need to be strong physically. Whether you're in a wheelchair or you're an Olympic athlete, you understand that like as a man, and I don't know if I've had women be like, this is the same for women. I'm like, I don't, cool. I don't know. I'm not one. But I do know dudes, we need to feel physically fucking strong. And I will add on top of that, if it's possible, you need to have adrenaline running through your veins, especially in a controlled, combative situation. I make guys wrestle. I have a jujitsu and MMA background, boxing background, kickboxing background. Your life will change when you throw a mouthpiece and a pair of gloves on and stand in front of another man. You will understand like, oh shit, there's a predator in me. And oh shit, there's predators out there. Okay, cool. I may live on the 54th floor of Park Avenue, but my DNA didn't just get erased that said, hmm, I need to express this in a way other than you know, high stakes trading on Wall Street. I gotta pick up a piece of fucking steel. I need to have a man's body trying to hurt me, not in a bad way, but in a controlled way, and feel what primality is. I need to walk barefoot in the woods, right? I tell guys all, all the time, you wanna understand what primal energy is? Paddle into head high surf. You will figure out real quick that like you wanna stay alive and that there are forces that are trying to kill you at all times. Boom, yeah. Prime. Guys need to touch that. So the divine masculine, to me, it's a highly used term, is the state of masculine consciousness. It's space holding. 
It's actually dealing with our deepest wounds. It's saying, I will enter and create a space in my life to inhibit, I'm sorry, inhabit that heals me of my past, evolves me as a human, and for men, does so along the path of masculinity. So what does the masculine do? What are the energetic properties of the masculine, not masculinity? How can I embody them and bring them in? Do you have a meditation practice? Are you actively grounding yourself? Do you understand what your emotional range is? Are you just angry or horny? Do you know what's sad? Are you, can you say, like, actually, Connor, I feel sad right now. Thank you for asking. I'm actually frustrated. I feel jealous over this thing. Do you have touch with what that is? And are you working with it and playing with it on a daily basis? That's my version. Mm, I, I like that, man. I like the, the duality between the two. And, you know, I, I feel like I feel like there's a, a big call for a lot of men to start to embrace the divine quite a bit more in, in mainstream media. Um, but I, I do feel like the, the primal is oftentimes the access point for the other one. And yeah. I've found in my own experience, you know, like growing up playing hockey and boxing, um, I still box quite a bit. It's that, you know, there is nothing, nothing more satisfying than just like an hour of punching, <laughs> you know? hundred percent, right? Or like, <laughs> you know, like chopping wood. It sounds so dumb. It like literally, when I yeah. say it, I hear myself say it, I'm like, it literally sounds dumb. But it, it is, it, it's it's so true. It's so true, right? Because you like you it's get so into your true. body into this way where you just like yeah. And and the funny yeah. thing is like if you even look at it like from a psychological standpoint, like somebody like Carl Jung or um, any of like the major psychologists would say like all men have the capacity to kill, right? They, yeah. We all have that very dangerous. I call it the dangerous man within us, right? Like we all have yeah. that. And, mm-hmm. and the problem is, is that if that, if we're not in touch with, at least from my perspective, and I want to hear yours on this, but if we're not in touch with that dangerous man within us, he can come out in some really gnarly ways. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to run the show in a shadow way when we repress him. So from my perspective, what, what happens? What are the, what's the impact of not being in touch with your primal or your divine masculine? So this may be a good analogy. It's like, if you don't know how to speak a language, if men don't understand the language of primality or the language of the divine masculine, then we end up with Tourette's. And so we're just like, ah! like, oh shit, what just happened? I just punched the wall. I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even know what, I don't know what happened. Mm. Holy shit. I just slept with five women in a weekend. Fuck. How did that even happen? Or I've gotten so lost into this spiritual bypassing. How did that even happen? I fully believe that we need to have put our hands, like, especially if we go primal or darkness, like I know my darkness. I sat in a pitch black room for a fucking month. I know darkness. I understand where it lives in me, how I need to express it safely and who with, and I know what happens to my life when it's not there. It comes out other ways. I remember back to when I quit fighting professionally, I spent the next year putting myself in very dangerous situations socially and sexually because I needed that adrenaline rush. I needed to walk into someone's house and not know whether I was going to get robbed, raped, killed, or have sex because I didn't have any other way to express all of that primality 
now that the most primal action I knew, which was actually fighting another man in a fucking cage, was out of my life. So we replicate it in ways that are safe. We box, we lift weights, we go for long hikes. We do stuff that, that scares the shit out of us or that's bigger than us. This is why men climb mountains, right? It's why we take on physical tasks. Yeah. I think we Right? People argue and argue with me that like, oh, no, gender's fake or gender's just a creation. I'm like, awesome. People that identify as males need to be out in the woods doing manly shit. Call me a misogynist for that. And here's why I think that. Because I've seen it over and over and over again that when they do, the rest of their lives start to fall in place. You hang out with a group of professional fighters guys that do jujitsu and kickbox every single day with the exception of the one or two outliers, you have the calmest, most polite human beings on the planet. They don't get in fights. Why? Because they engage in that energy all day long. They don't need to prove to the dude from Jersey that they can beat the shit out of him. Cause he's like, yo bro, why are you looking at my girl? It's like, you know what? Sorry. I, you know what? She's beautiful. That's why. Because tomorrow I'm going to be back on a mat for four hours having someone grinding my face that I don't really need to do this with you. Yeah. So I think one is just a practical application of it fucking feels good to hit stuff. And we're not allowed to hit stuff in society. We're not allowed to hit people. But we need to because it's part of who we are. And then the divinity aspect, right? I agree with you. you I, I push back all the time against like, we need more vulnerable men. Sure. First, we need more strong men and men that are strong internally and externally so they have a foundation upon which to express that vulnerability and they're not just whining. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, I think this is what you're talking about can be summed up as like expanding your edge, you know, and expanding, ex- expanding the primal edge, expanding your intellectual edge, your emotional edge, your spiritual edge. And, you know, and it's, it is uncomfortable, but it's also one of the most rewarding things that we can do as men. And when we, and when we don't do that, when we actually stop that form of expansion, which is one of the things that I actually, like we've talked about in the Alliance, that expansion is purpose, right? Like when you mm-hmm. are expanding as a man and you're, and you're trying to expand in every way, every part of your life, it's one of the most fulfilling and rewarding things that you can do. You don't need to be a multi-billionaire and, and successful in every single avenue of your life. You simply need to be in the pursuit of expanding each part of your life, expanding the primal, expanding the divine, expanding the spiritual. Like when we are in that pursuit, oh man, it's like there, there's like a satiation that's like palpable. You know, you can like yeah. feel it, taste it, smell it. You like understand it, right? That you're like moving yeah. towards your edge in some way, shape or form. So, so how do you find your edge? What are some of the things that you, you personally do, your personal practices of expanding your edge? Physical wise, I still have a physical practice. I train all the time. I go to yoga. You know, it's a new edge. Guys are going to freak out when they hear this. I started doing yoga. It was like, I've literally had guys be like, I don't do good at yoga. I'm not gay. I'm like, I'm not either. <laughs> and I don't think it, it's, it's okay. the two actually don't, there's nothing anyway. Nothing to do with each other. Nothing I mean, to do with each other. But you know what? It's really fucking hard. And it's hard in ways that having a 450 deadlift never was it's hard in ways that my explosive martial arts practice never was so i engage in it sure still have a kettlebell in the other room swing the shit out of it sure ask myself constantly in relationship 
is what I just said true? Do I need to go back and amend any time that I've hurt someone? Do I need to do, I do accountability of an, like a checklist, Connor, of where am I? Am I in integrity with my finances? Shit, I'm not. I haven't looked at my checking account in two weeks. I'm just hoping I have enough money in there. Fuck, I don't want to look at it now because it's going to be painful. <laughs> okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call my buddy and be like, hey, if I haven't checked my checking account by tomorrow morning, uh, I owe you dinner or something in that regard, right? I still meditate all the time on the days that I don't want to. So really, my personal practice is a lot like what you just said. It's the edge is when I don't want to do something. I sit in that place and ask questions of why don't I want to do this and then say, do it anyway. And deal with the like, wow, what just came up? And oh, wow, I feel so much better now that I did it. Yeah, I think it's like, I love what you're saying because it really is, is sort of focused on like, understanding that when you take action, there's inevitably an outcome from it, right? And like seeing the rewards of those things. And there's a, there's a great quote uh, by Tim Ferriss. And he says that success is equal to the number of uncomfortable conversations you're willing to have. Something along those lines. I probably bossed it. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's so you know, true. Yeah, it's so true, right? And it's, and it's that, the essence of that is describing pushing your edge right? Because it's uncomfortable. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. It's like, you just don't want to do it. And, but it's in that access point that creates fulfillment, right? Creates happiness, joy, and connection with people in our lives. And, and that applied in every different way possible, right? Finding, finding that, that essence in every different way possible is really the, like the type of expansion that, that I think that we're talking about in terms of like divine and, uh, and the primal. And I, you yeah. know, I think we, we kind of covered in the very beginning, like all the things that, that can happen when we don't expand in this way, right? We start yeah. to stagnate, we start to contract and, and that leads us into, you know, in, into the bottom. So yeah, man. And all I mean, that growth work, all that stuff I can say in, in hindsight feels infinitely better than anything I ever drank, anything I ever smoked, anything I ever jerked off to all of this feeling of like, I am on purpose. I just confronted an edge and I I worked through it. You said it. It's like, it's like a a higher quality of a feeling. Yeah. It's like a rich oil as opposed to like a mist. Yeah. And man, that your life. And you, you, I look at people and like, I can see exactly where you're struggling. You haven't touched the incredible feeling of amazement that I get just from not wanting to go to the gym and going. Yeah. You know, it, it like, it's like you replace, I mean, in a way you, re, you replace the high with a different high, you know, it's just yeah. a, it's just a higher caliber that are more aligned on purpose, sort of altruistic, you know, in a way, if we're really, if we're really being honest with ourselves, I, there's a guy, uh, there's a guy in the Mantos community that said that your vices are only ever replaced with better vices. And I thought, huh, what an, what an interesting perspective, right? So like oh, wow. when, we, when we stop watching porn, you probably, you probably, you have to replace it with something, right? It does yeah. get replaced with something inevitably. It's just yeah. hopefully we are replacing our, our vices with better vices. And I think that that's really in, in a lot of ways what we as men are, are really um, focused on. Like there's a lot of guys that are focused on that right now. It's like, how do I take my vices or the things yeah. that aren't working for me? and substitute them with more disciplined, healthier, better for me, better for my family, better for the world places, you know? Yeah. And, 
And that seems like a noble pursuit to me. And it, I might yeah. be wrong and I'm okay with that. But for me, yeah. it's a noble pursuit, you know? Cool, man. Well, listen, I know we're, we're almost running out of time here, but there, sure. was a couple, there was a couple of things that I wanted to touch on and, and get your perspective on um, that, that are a little interesting because, you know, in the, in the recent months, there's been some crazy shit in mainstream media. Yeah. And I've wanted desperately to talk to people about it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, and, uh, and so I thought, you know, screw it. I'm just going to start talking to people about it. And so, you know, one of the big things that was a huge controversy was obviously the Kavanaugh case, the, the Brett yeah. Kavanaugh case down here in the States. And it was so interesting to see the different perspectives and the different polarities mm-hmm. and, and how people were, you know, attacking him or defending him or attacking her or defending her or, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, attacking Republicans and Democrats. Like it was just like, holy shit. Like what a, what a clusterfuck. Like this is such a mess. Yeah. And yeah. so I was curious to get your, your take on it. You know, not, not necessarily, do you think he's guilty? Do you think she right. was telling the truth, but more along the lines of why was it so heated? You know, why mm-hmm. was that, why was that conversation so, um, so attack heavy? Why were people so at odds from your perspective? Whew, it's a beautiful question. You know, I think it was archetypally like, good versus evil mm. and instantly Kavanaugh was couched as evil. And I, I, let me just blanket this by saying, I don't know what happened. Yeah. I don't know what happened in that room and neither does anybody else. And that's not saying she lied and that's not saying he lied. And that's actually not a cop out either. I don't know what happened. And I'll also add, I don't trust anything around politics, anything Nothing would surprise me at this point in politics. Nothing. But what I saw was just the archetypal pattern of good versus evil. This was Star Wars. And people are instantly like, Kavanaugh, Darth Vader. Dr. Ford, uh, the, the vampire, or the good people. And, and so people have attached themselves without even listening, or without even reading, or without even diving in, or even willing to admit that, like, you know what? You don't know what happened either. And so it became a much bigger scenario. It became, do you believe women or do you not believe women? And Mm. I think that was the platform underneath what most people were standing on. And so even when I've said, I don't know who's guilty or not, I've been told, well, then you don't believe women. Like I'm telling you right now, I don't believe anybody. And I do. I believe her. I believe him. I don't believe her. I don't believe him. And no, again, that's not a cop-out. I wasn't there. Neither were you. And yeah. so I think the fact that also, and I don't want to talk about Trump, but because Trump appointed him, instantly that took an entire population that literally just said Trump is the most, tr- Trump is literally Hitler. So Hitler appointed this judge, so he's got to be equally as bad. Yeah. And we, we've lost collectively our ability to reason, and we've lost collectively our ability to have a rational conversation, especially in public, where you and I could sit back and be like, man, I think that guy's fucking guilty, right? Like, look at the percentages of women who have had this stuff happen. Why would she lie? And you could say, yeah, you know, but what about the Duke lacrosse case? What about all these other cases? What if just this one time she is lying? And we'd be like, yeah, you're right, man. And I could be like, yeah, you're right, man. And we could have a discourse where we 
can't do that anymore publicly because there's this mob mentality of you've said something that goes against my group and my tribe. So I will attack you personally and try to tear you down for your belief, which I'm not really even sure of. I just know that you're on the other team. Yeah. And so I looked at it that way of like just tribalism gone rampant and archetypally good versus evil. And people weren't willing to even acknowledge on either side. You had people who were like, she's a liar because she's a woman. I was like, well, I don't know about that. Like, there's a lot of women that have had a lot of bad shit. Like, most women have had bad shit happen to them. Most. So maybe we err on her side. Eh, and it's like, boom. It was just like this. Yeah. That's how I see so much discourse. And it's really upsetting because we all have our ego. It's like our ego and our, our teams involved now. It's like, what would you say about my team? Really? I'll, I'll fucking kill you. It's like, well, yeah. you're, you're, wait, are, is your team a thing? What's your team, by the way? Is it all women? Is it democratic? Is it white people? Is it, what's your team? Because you, I can't figure you out. Well, you, you betrayed my team. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a really challenging time to be alive, Connor. It's a really unique time to be alive, to be on the outside looking in. Well, I think, I think one of the big challenges that you're, that you're pointing out is that, it, you know, it's sort of like, <clears throat> A, there, there is a fundamental attack on truth. You know, there is a, there's a fundamental, undeniable attack on truth right now. And that, that's one part. The second part is, is that there does seem to be a lot of needing to take sides and needing to have people pick a side without even necessarily justifying it. It's like, I don't give a shit why you pick my side. I just need to know that you pick my side. That's, right. that's ludicrous to me. And then, and then the third part of it is that there seems to be this, this really enmeshed and sort of like codependency that, that is emerging that is emerging on people's mm. identities to political parties yeah. and, and, um, and to certain movements. And yeah. anything that threatens those movements or those political parties now is a threat to them personally, right? Because yeah. their identity is a part of that. So it, it's, it, and that's, that's, a, that's a scary thing because then like really saying, discourse doesn't happen, right? You know, I think the most disappointing part for me as like a, as a guy that is, you know, runs a company called Man Talks and, mm-hmm. and you know, has worked with men for quite a long time now was, was more so about his behavior, his character, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't so much like if I remove the, the right and wrong, good and bad, guilty, not guilty. Um, you know, if I remove all of those things, because I, I agree with you, it's like, we don't know, right? We don't know mm-hmm. that her, her testimonial, incredibly credible. You know, like she is one of the most credible witnesses that you could possibly have on the witness stand. Mm-hmm. I think that I think the the challenge, because you can never know, the challenge for me was more o- around his response as a man. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that I it left me wanting something. You know, it left mm-hmm. me wanting like there was this justification, there was this huge like defensive attacking. Democrats attacking her, attacking the situation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, attacking politics and sort of like framing it in this very interesting way that I was like, you know, I, I feel like as men, we need to be better than that. You know, if somebody, mm-hmm. and somebody asked me this on Instagram, I was like, well, if somebody falsely accused you of, of, of sexually assaulting them, right. um, like, you know, you wouldn't defend yourself. And I was like, well, look, first and foremost, if somebody accused me of sexual assault, and, and, and that, that's what happened. 
and they fundamentally, you know, we're coming from a space of like this, this happened. Mm-hmm. Regardless of my own circumstances, I would sh- still, still show a sense of empathy towards them mm-hmm. because clearly they have the perspective that something's happened and that they've yeah. been traumatized and that they're in a space. And so it's like, you know, I, I think that when it comes to these spaces, we miss out in these conversations on a few things. We miss out on people's values. We miss mm-hmm. out on people's character and we mm-hmm. excuse immoral, unjust behavior for political reasonings, right? And, and for ideological reasonings. And it's such right. a fucking slippery slope because it's just like, right. well, I don't care how that person acts or what they say because they're on right. my team. And it's like, right. that's, that's the problem, right? Like that's the problem, right? Just because yeah. that guy's that guy or that woman or that person, whatever, however they want to identify, um, right. just because they're on your team doesn't mean that they can't handle things a little bit better. Like, right. We, right. like we have to move past that, you know, like we have right. to be able to move past that. And that, that was one of the big challenges that I saw come out of the Kavanaugh case was like, nobody was talking about the character of that man. They were all talking about and debating and arguing about whether or not he sexually assaulted her. It's like, well, what about his character? Because that was a job interview, not a trial. Right, right, right. That was a job interview and not a trial. Like, right. Made would great you, point. Yeah. Would Would you have hired him for a job under those circumstances? No way. No way. No way. How How come? Right? And how many guys? How many? You just mentioned how many guys believed him because they're guys. Yeah. And how many women didn't leave him because they're women? And how many women believed her because they're women? And yeah. I saw or, this, and or other way around. Right. Yeah, However, Republican or Democrat or, uh, feminist or not feminist or, MRA or like whatever. Right. Right. It's it's such group think that uh, it what it's done is removed our empathy. Yeah. It's removed my ability to say, wow, if I grew up in your neighborhood, I would probably think the way you do. If I'd grown up with the same experiences that you've had, I would probably think and act the way that you do. I can put myself in your shoes. We've completely lost that. That also was clear to me during that case was, especially for men, to say like, she's just a liar because she's a woman. All, and she's, she's trying to do this to get money. And, and I saw this even worse with, uh, with Cosby. Totally. Holy shit. Yeah. Where a guy's like, literally I'm reading forums of guys like, all these women want money. It's like, do you think there was a meeting somewhere that all the women got together and were like, hey, you guys want to make some money off Cosby? Like us 60? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, it's and, so <laughs> I was just, I was just, I was just gonna say, like, you know, the it, normally my response to those types of guys is like, name one woman from the Bill Cosby case, name one of them, and name one of them that made money off of it. You know, like, right. it, like let's let's talk about that, right? Like, let's, let's actually talk. Yeah, let's let's talk about this logically. It's it's yeah. such an interesting interesting space to be in because, you know, I, I feel like part of this dialogue for, and, and the funny thing is, is that when, as men, we step into this, this is part of what we were talking about before. There seems to be this, like, if you're a guy and you're talking about this, you are either for women or you're against them. Yeah. And, it, and I think that that's the challenge that a lot of guys have. And that mentality, yeah. that mentality is also a slippery slope because if that's the perspective that you have, then either you feel isolated from all women Right. Or you, or, or you, and, and that means that you're against them. So you're automatically not on their team. Mm-hmm. Um, or, 
or you have to side with them out of not wanting to be attacked or ostracized or isolated. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't leave the door open for an actual conversation around it. So, I mean, from, from your perspective, like where, where do we go from here? You know, because it's such a, it's such an interesting climate that we're in. What, what are the next steps? Like how do guys actually start to uh, have these types of conversations amongst other men, amongst their partners? Like mm-hmm. where, where, do, where do people, where do people go from here? How, how do they start to have and embrace these conversations? It starts with empathy, Connor. You know, I, I jokingly threw up a, 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 like a fantasy video on Instagram and said, here's my fantasy to get 10 men in a room and 10 women in a room and let them mingle for half an hour and then separate them and then ask each one, tell me about the wounds of your life at the hand of the opposite sex. So every woman, I want to know about the guy that assaulted you. I want to know about the creep in your building. I want to know about the UPS guy that pulled a knife on you. And then guys, I want to know about how you've been falsely accused. I want to know about your divorce and what it was like. I want to know about the ex that broke into your house and left shit. I want you guys to hear about each other's pain. And I want to throw that on the table. And I want you each to be able to say, oh shit, that's really crappy. I'm really sorry on behalf of my people. And oh shit, I can, wow, you're a six foot five, 250 pound dude. But man, you've had some stuff happen to you at the hands of women or at the hands of the feminine. And then collectively take a deep breath and say, okay, we are hurting each other. Now, what do we do? How do we consciously move forward together? How do we create actual unity as opposed to further division? I did a, uh, and so I I say that because that's kind of the microcosm of what I think we need to do societally. I was in a quick workshop in Brooklyn a couple months ago and they put all of the women in the middle in a circle and all of the men on the outside in a circle and said, men, take your hand, and this is respectfully, put it on the heart of the woman in front of you and say, on behalf of my brothers and the men of the world, I'm sorry for the pain that we have caused you. And then we're going to switch and women do the same. And that fucking room, the energy just, one, it dropped Two, people were crying and just uh, beside themselves to have finally felt that the opposite, the other team actually cared and and realized their own humanity. Mm. So how do we do that collectively? I'm not sure. I think we just as men and women need to have, we need to honor our own wounds and then realize that the person who's standing or sitting across from us has a backpack full of shit that we have no idea about. And you've done men's circles, you've done men's groups. The stories you hear are like, I have no idea how you're not a heroin addict, junkie, five mass murderer, because if that had happened to me, I I would be too. And you get a group of women together, same thing. Like, man, being human is fucking hard. It's fucking hard, whether you're white, black, gay, straight, rich, poor, I don't care. Being human is hard. Yeah. Maybe we just start from that point, and then as you, you've brought up, we, we have the conversations with our spouses. We have the conversations with our partners. We have the conversations with our bros, with our brothers. Like We actually acknowledge that each other are in pain and lend a hand of support before we lend the hand of judgment. And they're like, ah, but you're on your team, so that didn't really happen. 
or eh, yeah. you're on that team. So fuck you because you guys do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I, I think that's so important. And you know, it, it's, I think you nailed it on, you know, you nailed it, right. It, it really is about empathy because when you look at either, either way, like the Kavanaugh case was such a blaringly obvious, you know, example of this, no matter how you look at it, someone is cutting out empathy in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And when you do bring in empathy, you can see how hard that trial was on his family, right? On his mm-hmm. wife, on his kids, on him, on his reputation. When you bring in empathy, you can see how incredibly challenging that must have been for her and the years of Absolutely. therapy that she had to go through. And like, God, like the, you know, having that happen and reliving that over and over and over again, as mm-hmm. she describes, right? So you can start and to bring empathy TV. back. Right. But, but people override that empathy for yeah. political parties and, and for, you know, picking the team. So, you know, I think you really nailed it there, man. Um, well, we got to wrap this up. This has been okay. a freaking awesome conversation yeah. uh, for, for everybody that's out there. Definitely check out Traver. Uh, you can go to TraverBoehm.com. Is that, that's right, right? TraverBoehm.com. Yeah, ManUncivilized.com. ManUncivilized.com. Uh, yeah. If you are wanting to work with me, he does some great work. Uh, if you're wanting to work with the two of us, you can come and check yeah. us out with the Alliance. Uh, Trevor, Trevor is my uh, co-pilot uh, when, it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to the Man Talks Alliance. So if you're wanting to have more conversations like these and connect with some amazing, amazing men, definitely Incredible check out the Alliance. Man. Yeah, so it's such a such a powerful group. And, um, and and that's it for right now. Definitely check out his work. Follow him on Instagram. Uh, you'll see him swinging some kettlebells. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, the last thing is don't forget to man it forward, share this podcast episode with just one person or 10, whichever one you want. Uh, but definitely man it forward, share this episode. Cause these are the types of conversations that, that more people need to have. Uh, don't forget to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or Stitcher or Google play or Spotify, wherever you listen to us. And until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off. Mm-hmm.